Hello and welcome to Call of the Wild, the podcast from WWF with yours truly, Kel Spellman. This is the place where I endeavour to find out about the environmental threats to our planet and more importantly, what we can do to help. From the buildings we live in to the nature that connects and grounds us, there are so many factors that give us that all-important sense of home and belonging. But with a changing climate comes change to those very places that are valuable to us. If the planet warms by more than 2 degrees Celsius, most ecosystems are going to struggle. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, say an average rise of 1.5 degrees may put 20-30% to of species at risk of extinction. So, whilst we, as individuals, can't solve the climate crisis on a global level, in this episode we're going to explore what power we do have to make changes closer to home and how that helps the one place we all share, planet Earth. And you are in for a right treat today, because I have not one, but two, oh yes, two very special guests to help us on this journey and delve into this conversation. First up, I will be speaking with none other than designer, sustainability expert and TV royalty host of Grand Designs, you guessed it, Mr. Kevin McLeod, where we'll be talking about the impact of buildings on the environment. It's when we get in and we turn the lights on and we heat it, that's when it really starts to guzzle the fuel and that's when its impact really comes to bear. And that's not all, because I'll also be chatting with actor Iwan Rayon, Game of Thrones actor and WWF Cymru ambassador, about what home and belonging means to him. When you think of Wales as a colour, it's sort of green. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think there's something about walking in a forest and hearing that, like, the din of, like, birds, which is really lovely. And we don't stop there, because we'll also be hearing from someone who lives alongside nature and learn about the changes they've witnessed. Now, where to begin? We're going to start with our physical homes, whether that's a flat, house, or even a log cabin. What a treat. How we build and use our homes uses up energy and resources. Now, it might not be obvious, but behind every building material and every use of appliance is a carbon footprint. And the more energy they require, the bigger the footprint is. Now, in 2020, the Committee on Climate Change reported that buildings account for 23% of the UK's greenhouse gas emissions. But how? Our homes are hungry for energy. It all starts before you even turn up the heating or plug in your energy-enthusiastic devices with construction. Worldwide, 30 billion tonnes of concrete are used each year. That's the same weight as 5 billion large African elephants. You make concrete by adding sand and gravel to cement. And whilst it can be a brilliant material for climate-resilient homes, it has an epic carbon footprint. 8% of global emissions caused by humans come from the cement industry alone. But most of us don't have control over how our homes are built, so let's turn to how we use them. Buildings emissions mainly stem from burning fossil fuels used for heating. It takes a lot to heat a home, for example, which is why it's often the biggest monthly bill. Newer builds typically have better insulation and more cost-effective electricity usage, whereas older homes may have drafts making them less energy efficient. Rather than constantly heating the home, 
Try and minimise where you're losing heat. You can get a heat detector which plugs into a phone to show cold spots or try walking around your home feeling for drafts on a windy day. You can also switch to a renewable energy provider for clean, green energy and get your boiler serviced regularly to make sure it runs smoothly and doesn't burn excess fuel. There's also the devices we use. Anything that requires heating uses more energy. We're talking washing machines, tumble dryers, kettles, that sort of thing. To save energy, try washing clothes on a cooler temperature for a faster wash setting. And don't forget to switch out your light bulbs. LEDs use at least 75% less energy and last up to 25 times longer than incandescent lighting. Smart meters can also help you form new habits by telling you how much energy devices use. And finally, there's vital resources like water. Although the Earth is often called the blue planet, less than 1% of it is fresh and accessible for us to use. It is not an infinite resource. The water that comes out of our taps has come from rivers and bodies of water that wildlife rely on for their survival. To save on water, avoid running the tap for long periods of time and get to know how much water you use in the shower. All you need is a jug and a timer. Turn on your shower and see how much water fills the jug in just 30 seconds. Multiply that amount by two and it tells you how many litres per minute are used. You may be surprised. Well, that's that then. I better go and find a jug. So there we have it. A quick guide to our energy-hungry homes and how they use resources. But what does it actually mean for a home or building to be sustainable? It was something that I put to designer and writer Kevin McLeod. What a man. The king of brilliant buildings and Channel 4's hit show, Grand Designs. That is a really good question. Basically speaking, I think it's 56 tonnes of carbon emissions related to a new home in its construction. It sounds like a lot, but actually it's a tiny proportion of the carbon emissions of the building over its whole life in use. It's when we get in and we turn the lights on and we heat it, that's when it really starts to guzzle the fuel. Mm -hmm. And that's when its impact really comes to bear. So best practice would be to build a super insulated house that has got managed ventilation. So we're healthy in it. It costs peanuts to run. And the energy bills are minuscule. And you might put some solar panels on the roof and you might generate some electricity. And then, goodness me, you might even export some back to the grid. And before you know it, you might even have a zero carbon house, something which actually over its life cycle produces as much energy as it might consume. And bingo, it's, it's carbon invisible. Yeah. But fundamentally, we need to be moving as a society towards that idea. Now, you can do it as a community, say 50 houses mm-hmm. that have solar panels, has a big communal battery system that communally exports back to the grid, that work as miniature power stations. But it's all down to the energy we use. And if we're to dig into that a little bit more, and I know you've kind of covered a couple of the topics there, say if we begin with, say, heating, for instance, which obviously does take up a lot of energy, but what would be then the solutions to, saying trying to be a sustainable way of heating your home to begin with? Yeah, yeah. My first rule is heat yourself, not your house. So, <laughs> yeah, put a dressing gown on. <laughs> yes, I sleep in a t shirt and a pullover, right? So, 
But now we know. I I currently have uh, three layers of merino wool on and a pullover on top as well. So there Stop. we go. And I've got long johns on today because it's February. So <laughs> the idea of heating your home to 21 degrees, which is kind of standard. So that's the first thing to do. Use less energy, turn the boiler down, look after yourself, stay warm and comfortable in yourself. There are other types of heating other than conventional domestic heating, like infrared, for example, which is much more efficient, just heats you. So it's very important that, you know, this kind of advice doesn't apply to everybody. There are plenty of people who, who really need to have their homes heated. And right now, for heaven's sakes, it's a big issue because of the cost of energy, you know, which is just so massively increased. What are just the, some of the small things people could be doing, though, in their home solutions-wise? There are lots and lots of small tips, like, you know, using draft excluder or putting extra insulation in your attic. Insulation pays for itself in two weeks. You, you know, put loads wow. of insulation down in your attic, you know, some rock wall or something like that. It's sort of worth doing it. There are some reports to show that secondary glazing, which is much cheaper than double glazing to do, can give you, in effect, the thermal performance of standard double glazing. I found that the impact is amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. you, the comfort levels are so much better improved, fewer drafts, less need for heat inputs into the building, and coupled with the Merino wool, it's, it's just brilliant. Yeah, jobs are good. And, and obviously, you know, as you say, circumstances dictate not everyone will be, be able to make all of them, but there will be some that you can make that not only are going to be beneficial for the environment, but actually in the long run, beneficial for you and probably more cost-effective. And then looking inside the home, I guess when it comes to then the practicalities of the things we use in our house, i.e. lighting, the washing machine, drying your clothes and stuff, those are all the areas as well in which we can make small changes that, again, collectively make a big, big impact. Yeah, just being careful in every part of your life about not consuming too much. Then actually, that's doing more for sustainability than anything else. So we can turn the lights off. Yeah. And it's the same with a dishwasher or a kettle. It's like, you know, you fill the kettle to the top to make a cup of tea. Why? You know, you mm. only need to heat as much water. And the same with the washing machine. Do you need to do 15 half loads a week rather than... Yeah three full loads or it's how we use it yes but actually you know there are companies like eSpares out there that's just one company or secondhand kitchen websites you know that allow mm. you to kind of buy older stuff reuse it and repair it you know yeah. which is great that's it spending a bit more time and being a bit more thoughtful and, and and speaking of where the energy comes from kevin i forgot to ask this before because when i moved into where i'm living now and i was sorting out where my energy provider was coming from i wanted to go on a, a renewable scheme so for people listening would you say that's quite an easy thing for people to do to kind of try and find a green energy provider i'm, I'm just for those who's listening who might not know what is that yeah, there are companies like Green Energy, Good Energy. Uh, there are several now. Some of them commit to buying only sustainable energy, that is energy produced by renewables. Others claim they're going to put all of their profits or some of their profits back into renewables. So you find the scheme that suits you. They, the premiums are a bit more. So you're paying more for your electricity. But goodness me, everybody is paying more for electricity now. And funnily enough, in my office, I've got an account with one company and at home I've got an account with another green tariff. And neither of them have gone bust. And Kevin, just while we're working our way through the housing bills, water, is that is that something we should be thinking about? And can that have an, an impact? Yeah, fresh drinking water is not infinite. And it's not just for the carbon impact of it. It's because it, environmentally it's needed to grow trees. It's needed to grow crops. It's needed in very large quantities to, to look after it in other ways, yeah. simply for washing or for flushing yeah. down the toilet. It's been great to see over the past 20 years, government legislation demanding low flush systems. So we've gone from, I think, 150 to 170 litres per person per day. So I'll just say that again, 
170 litres per person per day. A day. Domestic use. That's mainly flushing the toilet, right? Wow. All new housing is down to about 110, 120. But if we can get to 90, that's, that's much better. But actually, it, it really adds up. And, you know, I'm going to be controversial here and say shower, don't bath. It's a maxim in my household, which is if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You just... Only because it just seems bonkers to me to be flushing litres of clean drinking water that has been treated down a toilet. And that just seems nuts, you know, that the infrastructure required to do that is just crazy. But one of the final questions, I guess, then, Kevin, moving forward, you know, is how do you think, you know, we can, can really start progressing when it comes to our homes and also work with nature rather than against it? Wow. Well, I think the first thing we can do is start sharing. It would just cut emissions like <laughs> yeah. that. A lot of stuff happened in lockdown that taught us how important community is and the value of, of living alongside other people and helping each other. I think that the love that we feel for each other as human beings and how we express it is something so primal to who we are and what we are. And we don't dream of exploiting the people we love. We don't dream of hurting them. We want to cherish them and see them flourish. Our love for the world is like our love for each other. It's just we've just got to sort of find it and show it. And we are part of a bigger ecosystem. And it's far cleverer than we are. We've just got to learn to respect and love it. That's all. Wise words from the wonderful Kevin McLeod. As if I couldn't love that man anymore. I've been thinking a lot about this energy crisis since my chat with Kevin. And yes, absolutely, these are very trying, testing, tough, difficult times. But for me, I don't think we have an energy problem, so to speak. Because if you think about it, we have an infinite amount of energy around in renewable energy sources. I think the problem lies within our non-renewable energy sources. Maybe this is the time and this is a sign that the powers that be make the shift from non-renewable to renewable. Is the time of oil and gas done? Can we now look to wind, to our sun and to our waves? All of us live within an ecosystem and I think it's important to remember we are very much a part of this ecosystem as this ecosystem is a part of us. The very nature of ecosystems means that if key species are impacted then that has a huge knock-on effect and throws the system out of balance off kilter and more so than ever that usually means trouble. Take predators in the African savannah. They are facing more threats than ever before, which is most likely down to habitat loss, loss of prey, conflicts between people and wildlife, and of course, climate change. Without them, the number of other animals, especially herbivores like zebra and wildebeest, would grow above a healthy amount, which in turn impacts important regions like grasslands and forests. The most recent assessment by the IUCN in 2015 found that the African lion population had reduced by 43% over the past 21 years. Current trends suggest that the decline would put the predators under the threat of extinction. The country's economy relies heavily on healthy ecosystems, robust wildlife populations and the presence of these large, beautiful animals. Michael Kaelo works with the Mara Predator Conservation Programme and truly understands the importance of coexisting with wildlife and nature. Having been born and raised in the Maasai Mara, I feel it's a big privilege for me to work with my community. The Maasai are a Nilotic community who occupy southern part of Kenya and the northern part of Tanzania who keep livestock, cattle, 
sheep and goats and they have for a long time held them to their cultural ways and they are most of the times live and exist together with wildlife so they have uh, over time evolved to know how to live with their, their environment well the concept of sharing space with wildlife is a very intrinsic thing to the Maasai because a large part of where we stay is the savanna and also has a lot of forests so over time there was areas which were set aside for grazing and also space where it was set aside for people to settle life has changed because first of all there is a population increase which was you know in the past there were very few people living in a large space but now due to population increase that has you know made people to move into areas which were not settled before there's also the concept of land privatization this has encouraged a lot of uh, fencing to happen and this fencing has led to various undesirable effects uh, both to wildlife and also to people also for your livestock to access to access some resources such as water they have to walk long distances speaking also on the side of wildlife less and less space is left available for uh, wildlife to roam as more and more settlements come up there is need to put up more and more livestock enclosures which then means cutting down of trees and this affects uh, the climate for instance you know when we were young we used to have a lot of rain like most of the times but now the frequency of droughts has increased and that affects not only livestock but also wildlife so uh being Maasai and growing up in i can say a very intrinsic very beautiful uh, environment has influenced me to work in the field of environment and conservation so there's a lot that's going on in terms of trying to reverse these changes so usually we would encourage people to plant trees for instance we are also working with other stakeholders to encourage communities to coexist with wildlife there are also other stakeholders who are working on removing fences and this is through a form of payment where you know you are paid to remove your fence and also to lease that land so that you know livestock and wildlife can continue to coexist i've actually been fortunate enough to spend some time in the mara and that time i spent there is something i'll cherish forever the abundance of wildlife is like nothing you can really fully describe there are so many beautiful wildlife species and plant species that exist there yet they really are under threat which is why conservation programs like this are of paramount importance a massive thank you again to the brilliant Michael Caelo from the Mara Predator Conservation Program. It is so clear that these conservation efforts, they really are key to keeping nature, wildlife, us and the place that we call home, our planet, happy and in balance. Now there's loads of different ways to help and you don't necessarily have to travel around the world to do that. You can help without even leaving your house. For example, I was lucky enough to launch this fascinating project with WWF and the British Antarctic Survey at COP26 called Walrus from Space. Basically, in short, they're asking us all to become budding scientists and walrus detectives. You can do this from wherever you are in the world, literally from the comfort of your sofa 
For a bit of context, as we know, the climate crisis is having a significant impact on the Arctic in particular. This polar region, you may be alarmed to know, is warming three times faster than the global average, which is having dire consequences, in particular for the wildlife that live there, including walrus who rely on sea ice, but the warming world is melting the ice from beneath them. So they are trying to get a mass count of how many Atlantic and Laptan walruses are in the Arctic at the moment to better understand how seriously the climate crisis is affecting their populations. And to do this, they are taking satellite images of the Arctic. They're doing this over five years and they're encouraging everyone to take a look at these images. They show you what to look for and you yourself then have to try and count how many walruses you can see, which will all feed into this massive global survey. It's a great example of us all coming together, united on the same front, trying to do and learn about the same thing and make that small difference from the comfort of our home. Honestly, it's great fun, well worth checking out. Up next, I'm joined by the wonderful Uan Rayon, who you might know as the villainous Ramsay Bolton from Game of Thrones, along with a whole host of other characters from TV and film. I can confirm there is absolutely nothing like his character from Game of Thrones. It was such a wonderful chat. We had a good laugh. We spoke about our place in nature and the power of using our voice. And of course, what home means to him. Yeah, um, I mean, Wales, definitely. Growing up there, I feel very fortunate. When you think of Wales as a colour, it's sort of green, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, which is really lovely. At the bottom of my road, there was the old Glamorgashire Canal, which had been abandoned, obviously, from industrial times and basically rewilded, I suppose, to create a nature reserve and it's just been left there. So that was kind of an introduction into it. My brother got into bird watching, and then um, then obviously because my big brother was bird watching, I was into bird watching, and uh, so yeah, we just used to go out and do lots of things around nature. We used to go camping a lot and stuff. Nice. Where would you say is the place in nature that you enjoy and find that moment of calm? Is it is it by water, or would it be more kind of you know amongst the trees? Or I really like being in forests. Yeah, yeah. Just there's something about it. I I, I love water as well. You know, they're obviously. I love all nature, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I think there's something about walking in a forest and hearing that, like the din of like birds, and and then something catches your eyes, and just the idea that, the, that these trees are communicating with each other oh. through like fungus underground, and it's <laughs> yeah. just amazing when you're in there, just uh, overwhelming. You mentioned, I think, you know, before, obviously, kind of the the twitching, so to speak, with your brother. So do you still kind of do a little bit of twitching? Do you keep your eye out for the old, for the birds? Oh, you, once you're a twitcher, mate, you know. You're, <laughs> you um, never go back. <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, of course, I surprise people often with my um, my random knowledge of <laughs> British birds. Like, I don't know, I mean, you just know what they are, you know, and that was lovely when I was down in West Wales, you know, seeing a lot all these little birds and it's quite nice knowing what they are. Do you have a favourite? Yeah, a kingfisher is my favourite bird. kingfisher? Yeah, nice. I love a kingfisher. Why? Because they're quite elusive and shy and you don't see them, you have to really look for them. They, you know, you're not going to see one by mistake unless you just see a flash of blue go past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I found a couple of spots in Hackney where you can see them. Really? Yeah, yeah, quite regularly, yeah. In the end of the year when the leaves have kind of gone. That's okay, when you nice. sort of spot them. Oh. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about now a word. <laughs> and forgive my pronunciation on this. Is it Kenevin? Kenevin, yeah. Kenevin. Yeah. Kenevin and Hiraith. Welsh is a very interesting language that 
it's quite difficult to translate directly into English. English is a wonderful language in its sense of huge vocabulary, but Welsh has a small vocabulary, but these words like Cynevin and Hirath, which sort of speak directly to how you feel about your home and belonging mm-hmm. there. Hirath, you can use it as a verb if you miss something or long for something, but it means so much more. And as we're talking about home, I suppose, as well, I think every Welsh person talks about their Hirath or their Cynevin. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like this this like longing for the old country. doesn't matter how <laughs> long you've been away, you always feel about it. And then, you know, going back to what we're talking about with the this idea of green like when I shut my eyes I see mountains like when I'm in North Wales even though I, I, my parents are from there and I, I didn't ever live there mm-hmm. but we'd go there a lot but when I'm in the mountains I always feel like I'm at home it's yeah. weird yeah, even yeah, though yeah, I, yeah. it might be in my head it might be that I want to have this like nostalgia for this place mm. but um I feel somehow that I belong there, which is very odd. Now, for those who probably, you know, will most know you for, of course, Ramsay Bolton <laughs> and Game of Thrones. And, uh, you know... Who is will... a climate activist. But not... <laughs> <laughs> one redeeming feature. Yeah, that's the one thing he had. But, um, you know, not just that, of course. I mean, you've, you've been working for a very long time and, and so many wonderful roles. I wondered, you know, while you are away filming, do you have any little kind of things or, or places that you, you need to connect with nature or just get that stillness? Because it's, it's a lot of filming at times, do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it's it's, go, it's going, just trying to find a little park or wherever, you know, somewhere just to have a bit of open space. You know, it varies sometimes. I could go for an hour and not see someone. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's what I guess is the, the key. When you, you've worked on an incredible amount of campaigns, actually. You've worked with WWF for, for quite a while now, haven't you? Yeah, well, you just asked me earlier, and I couldn't <laughs> remember just how long, so that means it's quite long. Quite a long time. <laughs> you, what, can you remember what was the thing that kind of instigated you to maybe want to be like, oh, this is a place that I could want to kind of help and support? As I got older, I started seeing the damage that's being done to the planet, and I just felt that if anything I could do or use my voice or in any way to make a small difference, then it would be worth it. Yeah, so I think that was mainly the... the, the kind of driving yeah, behind yeah. it. And, and you mentioned there about using your voice. Has that always been in you, or is that something that you think has kind of come a little bit later on, do you think? I think it's always been there. I just feel that it's so important. I think that nothing else really actually matters if we don't fix our planet. Yeah. It is as simple as that, I think, particularly for me to work with WWF, Wales in particular, WWF Cymru, because I can speak Welsh yeah. and and, uh, and I care about Wales so much and I love Wales. And the Senedd in Cymru are pretty good about listening to stuff and working together with WWF and various other charities and um, organisations to try and improve Wales and its very sort of delicate nature that you know, Wales has. It's, yeah. it's, got these beautiful coastlines amazing forests mountains the, the the geography of wales is incredible so it's just always something that that i could contribute because i'm passionate about it i think you need to be passionate about things that you go out there and bang on about yeah. to the rest of the world you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, um yeah. and we were able to sort of write a letter to future generations commissioner to try and get things to change and and i think the center and company are listening and i think it's quite a great thing and if we look after it, it looks after us. And if, if we don't, it'll die. And if it's dead, then we don't have nature yeah, anymore. Yeah. And we're going to struggle. It's as simple <laughs> as that. And we also probably will cease to exist yeah, as well. Which yeah. will be pretty horrible. Pretty horrible indeed. I don't want to I don't want to sign a you know, blow around Trump here. I think me and you could solve this. I think we should get us in get us in power. We'll do yeah, this. I'm ready. <laughs> um I wondered on that, what are the 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 little things that that you do and I kind of have, have have you know grown to do as well. There's a lot of very simple things that everybody can do, 
that aren't going to be that disruptive, considering we're so adaptable as a species. We've proven <laughs> over you know uh, the, our entire existence. <laughs> yeah. um, these little changes, although they feel very inconvenient to a lot of people, I think they're actually things that you'd get used to very quickly. But yeah, I think the supermarkets have a huge part to play in terms of how much stuff is wrapped in plastic. Yeah. So it's trying to not buy those kinds of products. Mm -hmm. But it's very make they make it very difficult. Now they're talking now about how they're gonna stop that by twenty twenty five or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it feels like no no, it needs to have stopped already. Yeah. That's and, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But anyway. Um, and just like, I think eat, eating meat is a huge thing, Not well, or not, not. <laughs> rather. Um, I do eat meat, uh, uh, occasionally, I don't, I, I very rarely buy it to eat, cook at home, but I think that's a huge thing in fish, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's just so many little things you can do yeah. to help. Things like just stick a jumper on instead of putting it on. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> no, you know, it's so funny you say I'm, that. I'm really stingy. <laughs> no, whatever. How, how many jumpers have you got on? on I'll put three on. <laughs> That is, it's funny you say that because we, we got Kevin McLeod on this episode and he was saying the exact same thing. Really? Kevin, I love you again. Um, I love you too. <laughs> but kind of always ask any guest or anyone who comes on the podcast, you know, what does bring you hope? Yeah, youth and the next generations and my son, I want him to have what I had, if not better. Yes. You know, you leave this place better than you found it. Yeah. Yeah, and for him to see him looking at a bird and me being able to say, oh, that's a, a jay. And then he then recognizes it. Yeah. Um, and he's been doing it for a long time. I remember he was, I don't think he was two and he saw a heron. No. And I looked up and it was a heron. I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. That's my boy. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even need binoculars. Um, uh, yeah, but it, that always gives you hope. I just feel very strongly that you leave the place better than you found it. Oh. That really was such a joy. A massive thank you to Iwan again for such a brilliant conversation. So insightful and actually really, really resonated with myself and hopefully you too. And you can hear more of our conversation in our bonus episode in a few weeks time. So whether it's making small changes around the home or celebrating the nature around us, I really hope you found some helpful tips from this episode. But if you're thinking, I won't mind a little bit more, Kel, well, do not worry, WWF has got you covered. Uh, they've got this brilliant free app called My Footprint, and it's brimming with ideas to help reduce our own environmental footprint and make a difference. So having a little look here, you could try a cold wash. Turning down your laundry temperature can save up to 60% of the energy used in every wash, showing that every degree really does make a difference. Maybe you could switch to eco. I mean, we all need to reduce our water use and running your dishwasher on its eco setting, that is a great place to start. Try it just three times a week and make an even bigger impact by filling up your dishwasher to the max before you run it and skip rinsing your dishes before they go in. You could even try bathroom ready recycling. What's that? Well, there are a whole load of products that we regularly use in the bathroom that should go in the recycling bin, not the rubbish bin. Most of us keep our recycling bins or boxes in the kitchen so it can easily slip our minds sometimes to recycle from other rooms in the house like the bathroom. So again, just being a little bit more conscious and aware of things like that, add them all up, they make that massive difference. And there we have it. That is it, my friends, for this month. As I say, I do hope you found it helpful. I know most of us can't control how our homes are built. 
But what we can control is our actions within our home. And if we all make those small changes, then it has a big impact. And don't forget to take that time to connect with nature around you or wherever that place is where you feel that all-important sense of belonging, calm and peacefulness. In our next episode, we'll be examining what's on our plates, from what we choose to eat to how those foods are actually produced. We're exploring the vital connection between how we feed ourselves and the environment around us. And once again, the good guests just keep on flowing in. Uh, We will be joined by Riverford co-founders Guy and Geeti Singh Watson. But if you can't wait till that long, and I understand because you love this podcast so much, I'm joking. Uh, Don't forget, there is a bonus episode in two weeks' time. It features more of my chat with Kevin and Iwan, which we couldn't fit into this episode. So do check it out and get your ears around it. And if two weeks is still too long, don't worry. WWF UK have got you covered. If you head to their YouTube channel, there's loads of content about the issues facing our planet, the awesome work they're doing to tackle them, and probably give you a little bit of inspiration to see what you can do as well. This is a Fresh Air production for WWF. Please subscribe or follow now for free so that you don't miss an episode. The wild is calling. It's time to act.